The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and iTunes as well. You can download it and uh, subscribe to it on iTunes for free 99, as well as the Yes Men podcast with my partner in crime, Doug Williams. And uh, Lou DePietro does that. Lou, you should follow him this week. He's down in Tampa. So make sure you keep checking in on YesNetwork.com and see uh, the stories that Lou has to file on our site. Uh, very good at what he does, writing baseball, basketball, whatever. So make sure you tune in to the Yes Men podcast and check in on Lou down in Tampa this week. All right, now having said that, we will talk a little Yankees a bit later, but first we have to talk about New York basketball, Doug, uh, and the New York Knicks potentially. I-, I love how the Nets are basically the best team in New York right now, and the Knicks still control the back page of the paper. It's kind of like the Yankees and Mets. It's kind of like the Giants and Jets. There's a big brother. There's a little brother. Uh, Brooklyn, deal with it. it. It's It's just the way it is. Um, I know it shouldn't be that way right now, but it's amazing how I get in the car after doing the uh, courtside reporting for the Nets last night at Barclays Center, and I turn on sports radio, and I hear Knicks talk. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I know they've won four straight, but the Nets just beat the Raptors. That was a huge game. That was a three-game swing game last night. If the Nets lose that game, not only do they lose – to the Raptors, who they trail in the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference by four games heading into last night. They would also lose the tiebreaker with the Raptors if they tied with them at the season's end. Quite possible. They don't face each other anymore. Now the season series is tied at 2-2. Okay, so the Nets defeated that. You know, they don't have to win by a game at the end of the season. The tiebreaker's there. They're just three games behind the three seed in the Eastern Conference the Toronto Raptors, and in the Atlantic Division. And Paul Pierce told us last night, if they lost that game last night, this is how big it was. If they lost that game last night, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I said we talk about Knicks, but I, I just get on this Nets bandwagon. I think we should talk Nets first, but we're going to talk Knicks, and it's just Phil Jackson. But Paul Pierce told us last night the reason why he played, and he, he wasn't expected to play with his bad shoulder, but he said there was nothing to keep me out of this game. If, if we lost, there was no way we were going to win the Atlantic. So he knew how big it was. But getting back to the Knicks, and, and I know I'm like a tennis ball in a, you know, Sampras Agassi old school match going back and forth. But uh, Phil Jackson, when Knicks fans hear the name Phil Jackson, it's it's got to make the hair on the back of their neck stand up a little bit. You don't know what he'll bring to the team. Is he going to coach? Is he going to be the president? Is he going to just be in the front office as the GM? What's going to happen? Who knows? But still, it's that sexy name. It's that name that could, you know, make a difference and make a difference in a hurry. But, Doug, is it a name that, and it should, don't get me wrong, but is it a name that holds enough credibility, 11 championships, uh, that Jim Dolan will just leave him alone like he leaves Glenn Sather alone? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, when I think about, I don't know. When I think about Glenn Sather and the way he does his job, it is totally different from any any way that Jim Dolan has allowed the Knicks GM, the anybody in the Knicks organization He's, has has, has a thumb. right has rules and and things they can do, things they can't do. So unless you're Isaiah Thomas, you're right. <laughs> then you can do whatever the hell you want. So it just really it, it is confusing right now because 
is Phil Jackson necessarily going to work out in that position? He's never won a ring there. He's right. won the rings coaching. So we don't really know exactly how good he'll be at that job necessarily. And I think Yank, uh, Knicks fans would be more excited if it, he was coming in as the head coach. Yeah, yeah. But we don't know what kind of job he'll do. We don't. Need, it's like, is he going to be able to get in and trade J.R. Smith? Is he going to be able to get in and make Carmelo resign? They don't have a draft pick for like nine years. <laughs> So it's like, like, what can he do from that position? Unfortunately, that's not too much of an exaggeration. The only, the only way that this Knicks team can be saved, I think, is if they get a new coach. I don't know right. if anybody in the front office can make a difference with this team. No, I, I agree with that. And, you know, Phil Jackson, it was in the paper today that, you know, maybe if he takes this job, and it was just tweeted by Chris Broussard, as you brought to my attention before we started taping this, um, that – he should accept the Knicks deal by the end of the week. And there was an article in today's paper about what his first order of business might be. And, you know, Steve Kerr has been wanting to coach for some time now. And Kerr, of course, played for Jackson with the Bulls, won a championship uh, with Chicago. And, you know, that would be interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic. Kerr's never coached before. Um, Neither did Jason Kidd. He, he seems to be doing a pretty good job with the Nets after a slow start. But it's just going to be it, – it, it's not even going to boil down. I mean, it will boil down to the coach first and foremost. But, Doug, this is a team right now. I mean, they're old. You got guys – you know, you t- talk about Amari Stoudemire. When Tyson Chandler, who didn't play last night for personal reasons, isn't on the floor, Amari could go off. You know, he said last night – He's a stretch four when Amari's when Tyson's on the floor. When Tyson's not on the floor, he gets to the roll. He gets to roll to the basket. He gets to get inside and and make those easy shots in the paint. When Tyson's on the floor, he's taking the jump shots from the baseline. It's a different position, but he's still older. You know, he's still fragile. J.R. Smith, you know, talk about what you want last year with J.R. Smith. He brought another dynamic to the team. Uh, a lot of threes. That team won 54 games. Uh, they took the Pacers to a sixth game in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. It was an exciting team to watch. But at the same time, you know, the one thing that they're missing that they talked about earlier this season that Carmelo alluded to was no Jason Kidd. That's what you're missing? A 40-year-old, 41-year-old point guard? I know he gave you leadership, but let's be honest. Kidd was only playing 20 minutes a game. I know what he brings to the floor. He's like a head coach on the floor. But they need, and you said it, they, with the exception of Carmelo Anthony, and I know they can't do it, but the team needs to be gutted. It just it, it needs a new coach. This is true. But it needs to be gutted. And I don't know how they do it. I just right. don't. I, I, That's why. I, I don't see them competing anytime in the near future. I mean, the NBA wants the Knicks to compete. Who wouldn't want the Knicks to compete? It's the biggest market in the league, for crying out loud. Right now, they have the Nets. And, you know, I think that's who people should be talking about. You should be talking about Brooklyn, who, who turned around the 10 and 21 season, you know, 10 and 21 in their first 31 games, and they're 22 and 9. In the back end, doing it all without Brook Lopez, doing it all practically without Kevin Garnett. He's missed the past six games as we tape this year on a Tuesday. Don't know if he's going to play in Miami tomorrow night. But good Lord, 
this Brooklyn Nets team, this is the team you should be talking about in New York. And it, it's not because of where I work. You know, I know the Yes Network covers the Nets. It, it's just obvious. <laughs> yeah. You know, talk about the Nets. Talk about what this team has been able to do. Talk about the turnaround, Jason Kidd, the, you know, the complete 180. Everybody was down on Kidd at the beginning of the season. I'm not hearing a lot of praise for the guy now. This team is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA since January 1st. You can't hide it. And you have Paul Pierce playing the four. This small lineup has been done, has been working wonders for the Nets. This is how they've been turning their season around. Smaller, quicker lineup, active hands on defense, the turnovers. I think going into last night, four games, 102 turnovers for their opponents. And then last night, I think they turned over the Raptors, I don't know, 15, 16 times. So you're talking about 118 turnovers in five games. That's not too shabby. Yeah. And you know what impressed me last night, Chris, was that the Brooklyn fans knew how big of a game last night was. Because we all know that this Brooklyn fan base is new. You know, they're new to the NBA. They're not necessarily the fans, the Nets fans from New Jersey. They're new to the sport. And in the past, it's kind of been the kind of place where did they really know which games were big, which games weren't? Did they get up for games that were not necessarily against the Heat or not necessarily against the Thunder or the Knicks? And did they get up for games like that? Last night against Toronto, that fan base was into that game. They realized how important it was. And, yes, they're the Toronto Raptors, but they're also the team that the Nets are chasing. Yeah, so it was the biggest game of the season for the Nets, and they were very impressive. They're first place in the Atlantic Division. I mean, the fans – and I'm so glad you brought up the fans last night because as you, as I was sitting there with the uh, beat writers who were there all season long with this team, they, they said this is the loudest this building has been ever. Ever. And, and we're talking about Bulls, Nets in the playoffs last year in the seventh game. So that said something to me. And then when you're talking about you – know, I talked to Darren Williams after the game on the floor after they won. I didn't even have to ask him about the fans. He brought up the fans. Guys in the locker room, Andre Blatch, Mason Plumley, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, all brought up the fans on their own. No one had to ask him about it. So the players – don't think the players weren't feeding off that. When Darren Williams hits one of those threes last night – to help distance themselves from the Raptors and runs, streaks back down the floor, and they, the Nets have a 13-point lead and he's pumping his fist. Don't think that crowd wasn't running through his body. I mean, it was an electric atmosphere last night, and the point my partner brought up, nail on the head. That crowd knew exactly what that game meant, and they showed up, and that's what they need to continue to do the rest of the season. Nets have won eight games straight at home. I think, I think the number, I want to say 14-2 and two or 15-2 and two in their last 17 at Barclays Center since December 26th. I mean, it's, just, it's amazing. When you think about where this team was, the 14 home games before December 26th, they were 5-9. Five 5-9. And, nine. Five and, nine. and to go on the run they're going on now, and the eight straight, in case you're wondering, I know they've only been at Barclays for a couple of years, but that ties the record for wins straight at that place. I think it was 2000, no, last year. Last year with PJ Carlissimo, they won eight straight there as well. You know, it's funny, the parallels to last year and this year. 
But this is a completely different team. And this team, even without Kevin Garnett, and you're going to think I'm crazy maybe, they're dangerous. They are dangerous. I'm not saying they're NBA title dangerous. I'm not saying they're, they're a lock <laughs> to even make the Eastern Conference final. But they're a team that should strike fear into Miami and into Indiana. I think they could play with both teams. I think they could play with Indiana. I think they could play with Miami. Now, do I think they could beat the Heat or the Pacers? Not in the seven-game series. I, I, you know, they need more help. The, the shame of it is, Doug, we're not going to get to see this team complete. We're not going to see this team whole. The way Billy King and the Nets organization and Mikhail Prokhorov envisioned it. And, you know, I think we're cheated in that aspect. The fact that Brooke Lopez, it, you know, if he's on this team right now and he's healthy... My goodness, we're, we're talking about a possible playoff, a, a title run. We are. Because with Brooke in that lineup, they match up extremely well with the Heat, and they match up better with the Pacers. But the fact that they're so small, now the Pacers scare me. You know, teams like Toronto or the Bulls scare me too. You know, they beat the Bulls recently, but, you know, you have Noah... You have Boozer. That's a tough punt, yeah. one-two punch down there in the paint. You know, it's just – here's the thing. I want to get back to my point about being cheated. It's just a shame that Nets fans aren't going to be able to experience what the blueprint was. It's a shame that we can't experience what that blueprint was. But the way they're playing right now, and Paul Pierce, my my God, the guy, the guy, they told me in Boston, the, the Boston media, when he went out with the stinger up there at uh, TD North uh, uh, Garden, or TD Garden, as it's called. I can't keep up with all these corporate sponsors. But um, they told me this stinger problem, this neck problem has been going on for the past three, four years. So it's, it was nothing new to them. Right. I, I, I haven't seen it. You know, it was new to me, but they, they set me straight. Then he hurts it and leaves the game uh, against the Kings on Sunday in the first quarter. And you're like, oh, geez, he's not coming back. Uh, that's not good, you know. And it didn't. It looked like he might have even separated the damn thing. I, I, it was kind of weird the way it happened. So then, you go to the Raptors game. You get to the arena. You ask Jason, Coach, injury report. KG's playing. Paul's playing. No AK. You don't want to mess with a sprained ankle. KG was a scratch literally ninety seconds before the game. His back tightened up. Pierce, with some kind of tape <laughs> that extended from his neck all the way down around his shoulder area, which I asked him about after the game. He said, I don't know what it does. The doctor said it's <laughs> supposed to help. And he said it helped. So, And the guy hits the big three with a minute 14 left. This is the guy that is the heart and soul of this team right now. Mm -hmm. This is the guy that is leading by example. But, but make no mistake. He's not the only guy. Sean Livingston is a key cog yeah. in this team. Defensively, he's long. He gets steals. He causes havoc with the opposing twos. He's so long. For the, and, you know, he gets out on the perimeter. If he's late, 
his length makes up for being late. I mean, it's the little things that he does. Mason Plumley, kid's a rookie, and he's playing meaningful minutes. Jason Collins, you know, Tim Bontemps from the New York Post, he tweeted out a great point the other night against the Kings. Why is Jason Collins on this team? People asking me all the time, why is Jason Collins on the Nets? You know why? DeMarcus Cousins. That's why. Kevin Garnett was not on the floor. He didn't play against the Kings on Sunday. Jason Collins, I think he had two points against the Kings. Who cares about the points? The guy played meaningful minutes against Cousins. Cousins had a double-double at halftime. He had 15 and 10. He finished with 28 and 20. (laughs) The guy's a beast. The time Collins was on the floor against them, and I watched, he neutralized them. Enough. He slowed them down. He got his points. He got his rebounds. Nets were able to, you know, if you have one big guy on the team, that's not going to hurt you. You know, not you're not going to get a loss if one guy's hurting you. It's going to be a couple guys. They were able to neutralize DeMarcus Cousins enough. Manly double-double. But Collins did a great job. But the thing that scares you, Nets fans, should be the size, especially in the playoffs. And Paul Pierce repeatedly playing that four and getting banged around down there. Right. It's hard to tell, Chris, which team I think the Nets would match up better against because the Nets don't score very many points. And Miami Heat, the Miami Heat, can score on command. So do you like that matchup? Because, you know, maybe it's an irresistible force meets an immovable object. Now, the Pacers, the point you brought up, is a good one. They have more size and depth than any team in the NBA. I mean, they have, like, Louis Scola is, like, their 12th man. So <laughs> Think about that. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty absurd, <laughs> the amount of size and length and physicality that they have on that team. So, you know, it's hard. You can't really match up well with either of those teams if you're not one of those teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's so funny, Chris, the, the point that you brought up earlier that the Nets should be getting all the all the press, but the Knicks are still on the back page. And the funny thing is that the Knicks are in probably their easiest schedule portion of the season. It's very possible that they've already won four in a row and they'll win two or three more in a row, and suddenly they'll be... They'll be a half a game out if the Hawks A half a game out, a couple, yeah. right, uh, of the eight seed. So, you know what? New York basketball this year has been tremendously disappointing on on the whole. I think the Nets team can no longer be labeled as a disappointment because kind of we were all kind of fools for expecting them to be right. the one seed because they had a lot of moving pieces. They had a new head coach. I think this team is now, you know, going to become a success right in front of our eyes. But I think as a whole we've been a little disappointed, but now is the is the time where we get to see all right, all right, which team are we going to be watching? You know, in in the the come summertime in the yeah. playoffs, deep yeah. into the playoffs. I, I think it's the it's the one that since January first, I really yeah. do. Yeah. I do in my bones. I've been around the team a lot. Uh, I've been watching. You know, I, I see how they interact. They're they're more comfortable on the floor. They bark at everybody on the defensive. I mean, there's so much talking, and, and it trickles down. You know, it's Plumley. It, it's it's Pierce. There isn't a guy that isn't opening his mouth on defense, and that's got to be something that Jason Kidd, who's who's wanted to see this on defense all season long, he's got to be saying to himself, finally. And, you know, he downplayed last night's game. He said it's just another game. But it was funny. 
because he downplays it. Then you go in the locker room and every player says it's the biggest game. Of the right, year. right. I mean, I mean, he's got to be that the captain of the ship. You know, it's that story where the captain goes down and he sees that there's going to be a battle, so he goes down into his little chest and he puts on a red shirt. That way, if he gets hit and he bleeds, no one could see him bleeding. That's pretty much the way Kid is leading by example right now. You know, eh, it's just another game. No, it's not, Jason. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. It was a three three game swing last night. They took care of business. Uh, they have the Heat coming up next, and you know, then they have a three game homestand next week. Uh, Suns, Bobcats, and Celtics. Uh, all winnable games. They have the Mavericks sprinkled in there too. I think the Mavericks is Friday. If I'm the Friday or Saturday? No, Wizards. Wizards on Saturday. My apologies. Wizards on Saturday. So their next one, two, three, four. Their next four games are against teams either in the playoff picture or just on the fringe of the playoff picture, Eastern and Western Conference. So this is a tough stretch for this team. Uh, Miami. If they lose to the Heat, they lose to the Heat. They've already beaten them twice. If they win this game against Miami, they've won the season series. And that's saying so. I mean, not everybody could say that. That's nothing to shake a stick at. I don't care if Dwayne Wade didn't play one game. You know, the Heat can't make excuses. But I was talking about this with a couple of beat writers in the in the media room <laughs> on Sunday. I said, you know, everybody puts so much stock into when the Heat lose. It's kind of like when Tiger was really good and he lost a tournament. That was more news than the guy who won it. Right. I don't, I, you know, I used to put stock in heat losses. I, I just don't anymore. When people say, like, I, don't. I see headlines, writers will say, um, <laughs> is this three game losing streak for the heat something to worry about? And I want to just tell them, I, before you write that, I want to stop and be like, think about what you're asking and really think, is it is it worth our time to worry about the Miami Heat in the regular season at any point? No. It's not. I mean, do Heat fans, should Heat fans worry about game seven if it's in Indiana in the playoffs? Yes. They, they but can should go, they be yeah. worried right now? No. They can go 41 and 41 and, and still breeze through the playoffs. They know that, too. It, yeah, of course they know. Why Ray, Dwayne Wade rests so much. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, they know what they're doing. Spolster knows what he's doing. And if you think a three-game losing streak is going to bother Spolster, now, maybe the first year he was coaching when they got off to that horrendous start with LeBron, you know, yeah, then you kind of raise your eyebrow. But now, two championships in. I mean, this team, they know when to coast, they know when to put it on cruise control, and they know when to take cruise off and slam the, the pedal to the floor. So I don't put any stock in any kind of losing streak for the Miami Heat during the season. I used to, uh, as the Who once said, I won't get fooled again. <laughs> um, but So this, this game tomorrow, does it mean something? I think it means more for the Nets than it does the Heat. Uh, you know, I, I know they're in a battle with the Pacers for the top of the East. But let's be honest. It doesn't matter Miami. Indiana, Miami, they're going to finish 1-2. It doesn't matter who finishes 1 and who finishes 2. It's a pretty much sure lock that they're going to be in the Eastern Conference final. But before we get to the Yankees here for a little bit, Doug, as we move on from basketball, um, I just have to mention that we're both hockey guys. I mean, you're – I'll admit – it's tough for me to be so invested in it, especially now with basketball season and, and how I, the, the past three months have been a blur. From January 1st until now, it's just been a blur. 
between the Fox Sports One games and, and the Nets, I, I don't know where the hell I am. I, I looked at the calendar, and I, I saw it was March 11th, and I said, Jesus, where, where did the time go? Um, I'd rather be busy, though, and, and the madness is right around the corner, but Doug's a little bit more of a hockey guy than I am. Uh, Ranger fan my entire life. Uh, last night, though, a extremely scary situation in Dallas with Rich Peverly uh, when he collapsed on the bench. And the reason I bring it up and have a little fun with it is mostly because Peverly's okay. Um, and, you know, if this, if this doesn't scream hockey player, I don't know what else does. I've talked about John LeClaire taking 40 stitches and, and, you know, not even missing a shift. I've talked about Another flyer, uh, I forget his name, but this year he took a skate across the chest, got stitched up, and then scored the game-winning goal. <laughs> Rich Peverly collapses, loses consciousness. They need to hit him with the paddles, a defibrillator, defibrillator, if I could say that correctly. After they bring him back <laughs> with the paddles... He asks how much time is left in the third and if he can get back in the game. <laughs> I mean, Doug. I mean, it's so classic. It's so classic. It is a different sport than anything else. And can it, I get back in the game, Coach? My heart was stopped, but I'd like to get back on the ice. It's so different. It, it is a mentality. Oh. It's almost like a military-like mentality. And these guys, uh, I've always said this, they're the closest to uh, you know members of the armed forces. Than, they're closer than any other type of athlete. We have a lot of pretty boys in athletics, Chris. I just I, I happen to think that in terms of, of athletes and, and what they're like and how you can compare them, there are wide receivers in the NFL that have nothing in common with NHL <laughs> hockey players other than the fact that they're professional athletes and they share that bond. It's a different kind of sport. It's such a team sport. These guys respect each other. And, and you'll notice that competition is as fierce as it is in, in any other sport, as any other sport, yet they they so respect each other on the other side because they realize how hard it is to play in that in, in, in that league. It's it, it is a different breed of animal, and um, you know you see that these guys love being out there, and they really they earn their money. And you saw the Blue Jackets too. I mean, when it happened, the concern uh, that whole bench too. I mean, that yeah, just, that's that, part of what I'm talking. That about. just hammers home your point. Right. Like you know. <laughs> They're going back and forth. They're going at each other. Something like that happens. You know, that's their brother. It's a brother in arms. That's just the way hockey is. And kids, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to cover a sport, I'm telling you right now, you will have no easier time with athletes than hockey players. They are so media friendly and accommodating. And it doesn't matter if you don't know the sport or not. They will treat you the same way as if you do know the ins and outs and all the intricacies. They're very patient. You can get in and out of two locker rooms in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, with every player that you needed to interview in hockey. Try doing that in the other three major sports. Good luck with all that. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a totally, uh, you know, very down-to-earth breed. Uh, of athletes so i i mean i i'm partial to it i used to play hockey i never played basketball um 
I just happen to love the sport, and I think that anybody who thinks the NHL isn't one of the you know bigger sports in the country, or you know anyone who thinks the NHL doesn't matter, you know, you're just not watching. No, you don't get it. You're not into it, and that's fine. If you don't like hockey, you don't like hockey. I'm not really a big fan of soccer, but when the World Cup rolls around, I'm watching. <laughs> right, it's part of my job. A, but two. It's the best players in the world playing the sport. Who wouldn't want to watch that? I mean, I still get it. People people don't like soccer. People don't like hockey. It's fine. I'm not going to think any less of you for that. But, you know, people who work in this industry, you need to have some kind of clue as to what's going on. And I think you're robbing yourself uh, of something extremely special if you're not following hockey even at just a casual level and if you've never been to a game before live and i know everybody says this you know my dad said it my dad wasn't a big fan and then he went to a game same thing with my dad you you get the respect instantly like how many times these guys are hopping over that bench and getting on the ice you know they're taking pucks off the knee off the chest they go down to block shots they get right back up and keep playing i understand they have padding but you realize how much that hurts. <laughs> I mean, that that doesn't tickle. These guys, just unbelievable how tough they are, how resilient they are, and how they bounce back in seconds to get up and get back on the ice. And it's that brotherhood that Doug alluded to. You know, it, it, it that military analogy that you brought up, God, does that make so much sense. Because if they don't get back on the ice... That's like not getting back to the front line yeah. and letting their comrade down. That's how they that, feel about it. That's what hockey's like, and that's why I have so much freaking respect for these guys because you talk about laying everything out there and every last bead of sweat coming out of your body. I'm not saying that there aren't players in any other league that do this. There are. But for the most part, 99% of hockey players do this night in and night out. They leave it on the ice because if they don't, they know they're going to have to deal with everybody in the locker room because that's the way that sport is. That's why I respect it so much. That's why I'm such a huge fan. And that's why I'm trying to recruit more fans that listen to this podcast. If you don't like hockey, do me this one solid. Go to a game live. If you've never been to a game, go to a game live. You'll see what Doug and I, you'll get an idea of what we're talking about. All right, let's uh, finish this up really quick. Um, (laughs) Never like saying really quick when you want to talk about the Yankees. But, uh, you know, again, I've been (laughs) – it's an interesting thing with me, you know, having to wear multiple hats. I I can't concentrate on just one sport. I have to, you know, keep my ear to the floor on everything. You know, I'm I'm doing nets and I'm, you know, super into nets and I want to get people the – the best information and and keep people in the loop on the Nets. And at the same time, I have to keep my eye on the Yankees. And sometimes that's hard because the Nets and Yankees kind of play on the same day, whether it's spring training. So I get most of my Yankees information by reading the paper, by reading blogs and stuff online. So you might be a little bit more (laughs) uh, into the Yankees right now uh, and have a better finger on the pulse of the Yankees right now than I do. But from what I hear, the rotation 
seems to be solid. Tanaka seems to be even better than anticipated. Now, again, as Joel Sherman, I'm not going to credit myself with this, but everybody says it. But Joel just kind of hammered it home today in the post. He said, everybody, you can't get too high or too low in March. These are major leaguers playing against pretty much minor leaguers who are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to make the majors. You can't put too much stock in what's going on at spring training. Can you get a little excited? Absolutely. Baseball's back. You know, the smell of the fresh-cut grass, (laughs) the gloves popping, the bats, you know, that wood. It's kind of like when you get one on the sweet spot, it's kind of like hitting nothing but net in basketball. I mean, there's no better sound on an NBA floor, if you could hear it, or a college basketball floor, when those baskets are miked and you hit nothing but net. And then it brings the crowd to the feet, or it silences the crowd. Those two sounds consecutively in basketball are the two best sounds you could hear. In baseball, it's either the pop of the catcher's mitt or catching one on the sweet spot of the bat. And just hearing those sounds, just seeing baseball back, I you know, I caught myself watching a Mets spring training game. I was in the airport going to one of my Fox games. And I'm just sitting there. It must have been really boring. <laughs> I'm waiting for my flight. Well, Syndergaard uh, was throwing. So, I, yeah, you know, there's a little hype around the kid. I wanted to see what he brought to the table. And, you know, you got to keep your eye on the Mets, too, as well as the Yankees. you got to be knowledgeable. So... I gave them a look, and my point is it's just as a baseball fan, as a guy who still plays baseball uh, in an over-28 league, (laughs) and I pitch. Mr. Williams wasn't the only pitcher in this room. Ah. I still throw. Um, I'm pretty well if you want to come up to Connecticut and watch me. Thinking about doing a feature on my team for Yankees batting practice today. I don't know if that's going to happen. Most of them are Red Sox fans, so it would be interesting to do the piece. I'm trying to sell it. We'll see if we can do that. But um, as far as I know, you know, everybody, for the most part, knock on wood, is is healthy. Uh, Teixeira is looking good from what I read. Tanaka is looking as advertised. You know, you can't really put, as I said, too much stock in CC and Kuroda. I mean, they're wor- they're on the team. They're working things out. The one place with a lot of question marks, Doug, which has been a place of no question marks the past five years, has been the bullpen. And that's mainly because, first and foremost, Mariano Rivera is not there anymore. David Robertson's closing. Now, do you have confidence in him? I do. They didn't call the guy Houdini for nothing. You know, he's a major part of that World Series victory in 2009, coming in against the Twins with the bases loaded and getting the Yankees out of that inning. I was huge. You know, A-Rod, I know nobody wants to talk about him, but he was huge too in that playoff run in 2009. But the bullpen has a lot of question marks. You know, they bring in Thornton. Thornton, I read, is not doing well. Um, but you have guys like Fred Lewis throwing strikes. He's throwing BBs, 95 at the knees. Uh, Manny Benuelos, his first appearance in the spring, he's throwing 92, 93 miles an hour after Tommy John surgery. He's got to be thrilled with that. Not saying he's going to make the team, but, you know, he goes to Triple A Scranton. Yankees have some options. Right. I wrote about him today, actually, in the play. Well, he's hit today, me. He's today's player profile. Um, 
YesNetwork.com, by the way. I would say he will start in the minors. I think that's correct. Just because he's so young and he's coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I he do should. Think, he should. Right. Yeah. I do think he has a chance to, to make his debut this year. I think he probably will. Because either he'll come up and go into the bullpen as a lefty specialist, um, or he'll come in and replace a guy like David Phelps. Let's say David Phelps is in the rotation and the right. bullpen struggling. You can bring in Banuelos put him in the starting rotation, and put David Phelps in the bullpen. So I think the Yankees look at him as a valuable commodity, and I think his velocity is going to go even farther up than it already has because he was in the mid-upper 90s before Tommy John, and sometimes it takes a little while to get that back. So I do think he's a valuable piece. Now, the Yankee bullpen in general, you know, it seems like they've lost a ton of guys, but really they mainly lost Mo. They have Sean Kelly and David Robertson, who are the – Really, the the bulk of the seven and eight innings and last Boone, year, Boone, and Boone, Boone Logan's, Logan's gone. gone. Yeah, uh, they look at Matt Thornton as kind of an exact replacement of Boone Logan. Um, but just, if he can't get lefties out, I mean, right? And he's been good in the past at getting lefties out. Mm-hmm. Granted, a lot of people think he's his best. His best years are behind, behind him. him. Yeah, uh, but you know that is the biggest question mark. That's why they picked up Andrew Bailey because he'll be back around right. the All Star break. Right. Uh, All Star that could be huge. Right. If he comes back and he's Andrew Bailey, that's gigantic. For when the he Yankees. comes back, yeah, he could be setup guy. He Even could if be he's like closing 80% replacement, <laughs> Andrew right. Bailey. Yeah. So it's a question mark. It, let me it, let me ask you this. Let me let me give you two quickies. Um, Pineda. I've read good things about him. Yeah. And Batances. Does right. Batances have a chance? Yes. I mean, he's been. Let, let, let's let's be honest. He, he's been a, dis, a major disappointment. He's been with the, the, the organization now for eight years. So you know, he was part of those killer bees with Banuelos and Batances. Uh, there was one more. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there were three killer bees. Um, but Batances, six and two-thirds, scoreless innings. Control has been his problem, but he's been able to harness that, Doug. So yeah. does he have – and he was supposed to be a starter, but did most of his work out of the bullpen last year with Scranton Wilkes-Barre and did a good job. Do you think he's got what it takes to be in that bullpen? Yes. I think he'll start the season in the bullpen. I think he'll make the team. I mean, because his ceiling is so high. He's a six foot eight guy from New York that happens to throw 98. And that was part of his problem, being so tall, maybe not having the right. – you know, maybe he had to grow into his body and grow into the mechanics. And it appears that somebody along the lines told him – Dude, you throw ninety eight. <laughs> don't have just you don't like need that. To be by too, the way, you don't need to be too careful because that's the thing. A lot of these minor leaguers come up to the big leagues and they they're so used to dominating, mm-hmm. and they realize that oh wow, you know I'm facing a three hundred big league hitter. Uh, I have to be careful, and then suddenly they're walking six guys per nine. Just challenge them. So Batances, I think, will make the team. His spring has been great. Uh, Pineda, I would predict, will be the five starter going into the season. And Phelps in the bullpen. Phelps is a valuable piece. He's Ramir Mendoza. I think he'll be in the bullpen. And Adam Warren, does he Warren make- in bullpen as well, okay. but he'll be the long guy. I think Phelps is the sixth, seventh inning middle reliever. Okay. That, all right. That lines up pretty nicely for Joe Girardi. Everybody stays on track and everybody stays healthy. Now, Nuno is interesting because yeah, Nuno has Nuno, been good everywhere he's gone. He's been good in the minors. He was good last year, albeit it was a I short stint. Cleveland let this guy go. Right. It just, it's amazing. So it's very possible. And he's, what, 26? Yeah, he's young. He's 26. So he'll, I think he'll start in AAA, but he might be, you know, he'll be the first call, I think, in terms of a starter if somebody goes down. Doug, I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited about this season for the New York Yankees. I Me mean, too. The, after last year and after all the injuries they had to endure and what they had to go through and almost still <laughs> make the playoffs, people sometimes forget that, you know, September 1st, 
the Yankees were pointed downhill, you know, to make a little bit of a pro- playoff run. Now, look, they weren't, you know, Mount Everest running downhill, but they it was that was a downhill run. They just fell a little bit short, and you know, the injuries finally caught up to them, and most of it was Hiroki Kuroda not being able to win a ball game past August twelfth, but. You know what? You reload, you go after it again, and that's exactly what the Yankees have done. <laughs> Talk about reloading. My goodness. You know, that lineup, is it just looks tremendous. And when you're able to dangle Ichiro Suzuki as trade bait, you know you did well in the offseason. <laughs> right. <laughs> bringing in Beltran, bringing in Jacoby Ellsbury. That outfield is stacked. You got Ellsbury. You got Beltran. You got Gardner. You've got Soriano. Uh, that's that's pretty damn good (laughs) you know the infield going around you just hope Jeter stays healthy Uh, you have maybe Kelly Johnson at third Brian Roberts you have to hope he stays healthy at second you have to hope see there's three question marks in an infield you could actually say there's four because third base is still up in the air too you don't know what you're getting out of third base but Jeter Roberts and Teixeira I mean these are guys you know that little triumvirate in the infield that's a Christmas story those guys are fragile. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. And if the Yankees could keep those, just two of three. Keep two of three of those guys healthy, and I think they'll be fine. But if anyone, you know, if at any time two of those three guys are down for an extended period of time in the season, so you're going to have some of the same problems you had last year. I mean, they think they have a little bit more firepower in the lineup than they did last year if two of those guys don't go. And but Teixeira, agree or disagree, is the linchpin. Right. Not only because he brings the switch hitting power to the lineup, but that glove at first base, that's key. Though. And remember this. If uh, anybody gets hurt, Chris, they can just re-sign uh, Lyle Overbay and Jason Nix and Eduardo Nunez can start, and they'll win 85 games like they did last <laughs> year. So everybody that's freaking out about yeah. those three guys, it's like, everybody, remember, they were on this year's depth. That mm-hmm. was their starters last year, and they did okay. So I remember, uh, yeah, they were on the backups of the backups of the backups of the backups. And they they did and okay. They won eighty five games. Yep. I, Luis I, Cruz was their starting third baseman for like twelve games. Yeah. Wow. See that they'll be all right with Kelly Johnson, who can who's probably going to hit twenty home runs, and see. Kelly Johnson would have been hitting fifth. For this team last year, that's why that's why D Will, my D Will, is in this office right now doing this podcast with me right now because he brings that kind of knowledge. By the way, I just want to, to apologize table. to the listeners out there if there were any audio issues in this episode. We're in we're on the move yes. with our equipment here, so I'm just we're, we'll figure it out. If you've made it this far, you don't care, right? Yeah, that's blatantly true. <laughs> you, you you have your car audio turned to the absolute max to yeah. hear what and we're just saying. Just remember to turn it back down before you right. put like backspin or something. Oh yeah. You don't want to get blown out of the car but anyway i think that's a good uh, part to wrap things up on um listen th- this is so much fun you know once a week i get to sit and rap about sports with uh doug williams you know it's just like walking by his cubicle and and shooting the you know what about sports out there why not put it on not tape anymore but why not do it digitally on the old uh iMac or whatever the hell it's called. I'm so technology illiterate. It's not even funny, but uh, it's just fun. And, and I and I thank Doug again and, and and once again. Don't forget Lou DiPietro, excellent at what he does. Uh, he's down in Tampa right now, so keep checking back to YesNetwork.com for his updates from down there. Uh, Doug is on his way down to Tampa tomorrow. 
Uh, he'll join Lou down there for uh, the dot com coverage, and Doug will be doing some interviews down there, as well as the Yes Men podcast with Lou. And I would assume lots of other content yep. will be coming your way. Do you want to plug anything that you're going to do down there? Um, we're hoping to do, you know, we have a few web shows, uh, a weekly top five, a reply all. We'll be doing a Yes Men podcast. And um, yeah, just look for yesnetwork.com because now that we're all down there and will be. Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of different content, every player, you know, everything. So, all right, there you have it. And, you know, just keep coming back for the podcast. You could subscribe to it. As I said, on iTunes, this one, the Chris Sheeran show or, uh, the yes men podcast with Doug and Lou, both quality programs, bringing you the best in New York sports. Thanks again for listening to the Chris Sheeran show here on yesnetwork.com. We'll see you next week, everybody. Ta-ta.